I'm Alfonso Mendoza, host of the My Ed Tech Life podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Harvey Hazen. Harvey is a coach who for 37 years was uh, in education. He works now with the parents of students who are struggling. Oh, there's so much cool stuff to learn today. Thanks for listening. And, 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 and by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? Maybe say some nice words and how about five stars? Hmm? <laughs> That'd be so cool. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Harvey Hazen coaches parents of students struggling to be successful and protect their tuition investment by helping their child find relevance in their curriculum and discover the life lessons it holds for their future success. He has been in education for 37 years. During that time, he spent time as a teacher, counselor, and administrator at all grade levels and organizational levels. He has a BS in history and an MS in counseling from Portland State University. In addition, he received accreditation in administration from Lewis and Clark College. Uh, so much to talk about today. Harvey, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Say hi to everyone. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's a nice day and a good day for a talk. Very much so. Glad that you're here. And uh, uh, before we get into our talk today, let's talk about you. You have served in many different roles in education over 37 years, from a history teacher, counselor, high school vice principal and principal, middle school principal, elementary principal, and school superintendent. Why'd you stay in education for 37 years? That's a good question. And, and I've pondered that myself many times. I, I don't think it's money. Uh, as opposed to what people think about summers off, I usually either was back at college or or uh, when I was administrator working during the summer. So I don't think it was that. I, it was a passion to uh, help people. It was a real interest in, in students uh, and their lives. and uh, And I think maybe overarching all of that was just the sense that you're you're doing something that's worthwhile that you're you're helping people you're setting uh, students on the path to their future and uh, and that's a good feeling and, and it particularly is good when uh, kids come back to you as they grow up later and say you know mr hazen uh, this meant a lot to me tell you a story about something you did and that happens often uh and and it's just uh, a really good feeling so i think that kept me there all those years and i and i think it brought me back to do this because i'd been out a number of years and then covid come along and and i looked at what was going on and i thought you know i, I just feel like i need to do something to help you know i need to jump back in somehow and help and the coaching aspect seemed the reasonable thing to do. So that's how I got here. 
Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. And and you're so right. There's it's a little addictive when uh, someone you know actually bumps into you wherever you are and or or, or looks you up. I mean, in this modern world, yeah. uh, you know, they can find you in social media and stuff like that, and says something nice to you because they remember whatever. And and uh, it's uh, it, that's a it's got to be very few other professions that have that type of uh, um, something that is so addictive because <laughs> because it's like they may not I know it. Right. I, yeah. I think it's special. You're right. You're right. It's a cool, cool deal. So, well, good stuff. And congrats on, on going those 37 years and now being in the, the coaching business here. We got uh, some good stuff to talk about, but I got one more question for you before we go there. Cause so if you were able to go back in time from today, all right, to that, to the day before you first stepped into your new classroom, right? What is some advice you would give you about working with your students? That's a really good question. I think, uh, I think I would probably say, you know, enjoy it, have fun along the way, uh, see the, the positives, uh, solve the problems, uh, be innovative and creative in your, in your teaching and in, in your administration or whatever you're going to do in your career. Uh, and, and just, uh, for lack of a better term, show up, give a damn, you know, <laughs> really seriously. Love it. A lot of people get bored. They don't show up. They don't care. Uh, they just do it because they're physically there, but they're not really mentally there. So I would say stay engaged, stay involved. And uh, that would be the, the best advice. The rest of it, enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. I love it. I've always thought, uh, you know, especially because once you've experienced all this that you've experienced, you know, you start going, hmm, boy, if I had it to do all again, what would I, what would I change? Because now I, I've experienced all this stuff and, you know, and, and, and some of us just, you know, I, I'm on the same planet with you and, and uh, there's always just a, any number of stuff that you've experienced over the years that it's, it, it's you're going, dang, go, if I could only go back in time and say, yeah, how about you absolutely. do this one? Yeah, so. there, there are always things that you would change, but, uh, but on the whole, looking back on that 37 years and, the, and what it gave me um, in terms of my own personal uh, feelings, uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I enjoyed every minute of it, even the hard minutes. That's so, awesome. That's so awesome. This is, you know, this, uh, it's a, it's a cool thing. Cause this is a, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, cause I, I can imagine sometimes in the moment you're going, all right, can yeah. someone beam me out of this place <laughs> or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you got the angry parent in your office yes. and uh, you can't satisfy him no matter what. Right. <laughs> like, uh, maybe I should be doing something else, but exactly. that only lasts a minute. <laughs> exactly. And then it becomes part of your repertoire of things to share with people. When you say, you know, right. I was in a situation like that once. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for um, sure. I love it. Uh, all right. So let's, let's start getting ourselves focused on, uh, on the coaching that you do. And, and let's start by, let's just talk about what some of the reasons are that students struggle in school that, uh, makes it possible to need to, to coach their parents about how to help them. I, you know, I think there are a variety of reasons that, that students struggle today, and, and I, it's hard to put your finger on any one thing. Some of it's involved with the parents themselves, certainly. You know, uh, sometimes parents are absent. Uh, sometimes they're 
overbearing. Uh, sometimes they don't know how to advocate for their child to the school or to anybody else. Uh, and it, and it, all of that kind of works into a, a picture. Then you get the peer group, and, and it isn't always cool to be a good student. Uh, I had a son who didn't think it was cool to be a good student. He, he scored... Uh, he scored the uh, second highest on his SAT in the school wow. at the end of the at the end of his senior year, but his grade point was two point six or something. You know, <laughs> it was not bad. And it, and it part of it I blame myself for. I was the principal of the high school he was at. He didn't want to be associated. He didn't want somebody to know that was his dad. You know, doing the discipline or whatever. Right, right. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, it and and he he's successful and incidentally an agriculture teacher, which is kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> because I was a farm kid, grew up, decided to leave the farm, and now he went back to being an ag teacher. It's kind of full circle. But uh, uh, but That's awesome. it, so. <laughs> You know, parents, and and one of the ways I think I can help is, is I do two things. I work with the parents, but I also work directly with the students. I, I try to create uh, a sense of relevance in their program so that they understand why they're there and what they're doing uh, that's important, what lifelong learning is all about, as opposed to just learning this subject today. Um uh, and, and to try to instill in them a desire to be a learner and, and to move on. And, and you do that, you don't do that by directing, you do it by coaching, you do it by asking questions, you do it by getting them to engage with you. And, and I've always been good, and that's part of my counseling career, is setting up uh, personal relationships with people. And, and I do that well with kids, and that's part of what I try to do in the coaching so that they care and will listen to me. I do the same sort of thing with parents and I try to get parents to see that there are certain ways to motivate and to support your child. And there's other ways that are counterproductive, you know, either ignoring or over demanding or whatever it might be that their individual case is. So that's kind of uh, uh, the, the picture, I think, of what parents are facing today. And then, yeah, COVID into that, and all of the stress that has come along in families and stuff because of that. And, and it, it's just like a snowball rolling downhill, you know picking up speed. I, I'm really concerned about what this generation is going to 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 be like down the road. I think it's a very concerning thing to watch a generation. I think we if we don't do the right things, we could lose a generation. That would be a disaster. So sure would. That's that's it's a scary thing because you know between um you know, not really having a world to identify with is, you know, and having the focus on COVID or, or, or being too focused on their uh, cellular phone or the, or the, you know, the computer right. screen or whatever, the different things that have made them, you know, one of the loneliest generations that we have. And, 
Just it's just crazy. So you know, one of the things you've mentioned already, just a little bit. I, I was wondering if we could go back to which is even though many parents want to help their children succeed, what might cause a disconnect with parents who may not understand how to provide help? And you know, and 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 we're also going beyond the, the fact that uh, yeah, I can I can see where uh, um, I don't know if I would want to to everybody to know if my dad was the principal in the school. Yeah, in my school. Yeah, so. yeah it, uh, that was an issue, you know, and. and um, I could tell stories about it. You know, I had, I had a new secretary and she'd been there several months. And one day I came back to school from a meeting and she said to me, there was a kid in here that said, tell dad that I don't need a ride home. <laughs> Do you have a son here? <laughs> yeah, I was not here. <laughs> and she had not a clue because he didn't want anybody to have a clue. You know, he just wanted to kind of, meld into the background and part of that was not getting really good grades that throw attention to himself right so uh but you know there's several things that i think cause parents difficulty one is uh it's with schools particularly is that they may not have had a good experience in school themselves so if they didn't have a good experience how can we expect them to approach the school and advocate for their child uh, without that background of how they felt about school? So that's one thing. The other thing is many parents will kind of ignore a problem, ignore a problem. Then when the problem gets big, they get angry. So they show up at school angry and, and they unload on the staff. And that's counterproductive. It's not going to cause the staff to to be happy about uh, meeting the needs that they have. So I I counsel parents that that there's a way to approach the school. And the approach that you need to take is sit down, talk to your child about what they need to be successful, make a plan, then go to the school and talk to the school about that plan and get the school to engage with you in helping that student as opposed to making a adversarial sort of relationship with the school. Uh, and, it, and if they need help doing that, then they should find somebody to go with them to help them. There are advocate organizations, particularly if their child is on an IEP, because if the child is on an IEP, and is neurodivergent in any any of the fashions it, it can be, then they may need help in order to know what that child needs and what how to advocate for that child when they go to school. And, and there are organizations do that. Every community has some organization that will help parent go advocate for the school with the school. So I think it's a it's a mindset issue with the parent to know how to help the child. And it, it, it's not a ignoring and it's not a getting angry. It's a reasoned, practical approach to we need to help this child. I want to engage with you as a school to help this child. You need to tell me what to do. I will tell you what I'm seeing. Oh, that's that's awesome. You, you know, it's. I think one of the things that uh, you know, you're already got a little blockage there, which is 
you know, that, that thing about you are my parent, therefore everybody else knows more than you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, can you tell I, I have my own sons? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then there's, there's also the thing where we kind of forget that I, I think sometimes parents forget, uh, forget's probably not the right word, but it's too easy to think they're still the, the little guys that are the little girls that, uh, were your, uh, you know, absolutely your babies we at one time grow up really quick. Don't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think yeah. that itself puts like a little wedge there because, you know, the, it gives ground for the, you know, you always treat me like I'm a little kid. You know, can you, well, you want to be treated like an adult? You know, you, you got an argument yeah. going to happen right it, there. And that, exactly. You know, and, and I, you see it in, in parent, uh, child relationships all the time. You know, the, the parent, a lot of times it's a dad, and a son, particularly <laughs> observing one right now, but, uh, <laughs> and, and they butt heads over things, you know, don't do that. Stop that. And, and so the, the kid picks up his phone, he sticks his head into the phone and he ignores it. You know, right. I, right. <laughs> Jeez. That's a, that's a rough one there. Cause they, they do have a way to, you know, what's interesting is that during COVID when a lot of people were first experimenting with the virtual classes and stuff like that, uh, one of the things that some of the kids figured out is they could turn their teacher off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it only, absolutely, that only yeah, creates issues once you're expected to answer questions about things. They, ooh, I guess I was not there that day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Crazy stuff. What? Well, before we go forward in time, let's stay in the past. I've read that you had a disconnect in college that left you lost and disheartened. Could you talk about what happened? Well, I did. I, you know, I came from a small town. I grew up on a small farm. Uh, the, my background was uh, pretty limited. I mean, I barely got to the big city, <laughs> you know, ever, because that's just the way it was. So I, and I wasn't a great high school student. I was average, maybe. But I did have some high school teachers, particularly in social studies, that really inspired me. And, and I decided pretty early on in terms of I wanted to leave the farm. I wanted to go to college. Uh, and I, I by the time I went to college, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And it was because of those teachers that inspired me. Well, I got to college and several things happened. One, all of a sudden, there's this huge environment. I'm living on my own. But as I went to college, Portland State didn't have dorms. We lived in, we had an apartment. Uh, I and a couple other guys had an apartment. And it, it the, the whole landscape was just foreign. Classes were different. Big lecture classes. You know, it, it, the whole thing was just absolutely foreign. And for the first uh, semester, well, quarter, we were a quarter system. First quarter, my grades suffered pretty badly. And, and I just couldn't make the connection I needed to make to know what to do. Well, I, luckily, I had a couple of social studies profs, actually, who saw something in me, I don't know what, that then they took me under their wing and kind of babied me along a little bit till I got my bearings and, and my knew how to 
to handle the, the change in environment. And I, from that point on, I started gaining ground, so to speak. You know, my grades got better. I got more enthusiastic about the classes and what I was doing. Uh, and, and it made all the difference in the world. Plus, I learned a lot about my own learning style. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very auditory. Sh show me, uh, tell me, tell me, show me, let me do it. I got it. Nice, nice. Talk to me or make me read the book, and I have a harder time learning. That's gotten better over the years, but <laughs> I did it originally. So, so learning styles are important, and and for kids to understand how they learn best uh, would be one of the things I would work with kids on, whether it be college kids or high school kids or or whatever is is learning their learning styles i also had, I, I had a my math scores were not good i don't think well in terms of of abstract uh so i got through algebra and stuff geometry and the theorems and stuff plus i had a pretty bad teacher in high school that gave nice. me a lot of problems and i had a college counselor looked at my mass test course and he said well you're probably not you don't you don't really belong in college well what he really did was made me mad <laughs> <laughs> and that was towards the end of my first quarter he just made me mad and i was going to prove that he was wrong so i set out instead of crushing me it sent me the other way so i guess i should thank you for telling me that <laughs> so but uh, you know all of that worked together and i and i got myself together and i i did well and, and um, got into master my master's program in counseling that was right down my alley did really well there then got interested in administration and did well there went on from there so very cool you know, one of the things that uh, you talk about is that something that helped you get through those times was that you have like a mentor or someone who's like a coach to you. Can Absolutely. you talk a little bit about that, that role that that person played in, in getting you through those tough times? I mean, the uh, the main one I think of is, is one history prof I had. And he said, you know, I want to check in with you every week. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, start making a little diary and I, and in that diary I want you to put down your impressions of how this class went how this class went how this class went and and what you learned in that particular day from that class about uh, how you absorbed the material and learned he said and then I want to talk to you about it so we sat down on a weekly basis and he went over my log and he said, you know, what happened in this class and how did you feel about it? And what, what, uh, resonated with you, uh, in terms of what the professor did or said, what didn't, uh, and how can you connect that to your learning and, and what you did? So he, 
he really mentored me through that hard, difficult time. Uh, and that's kind of what I intend to do with kids too, is try to mentor them through that hard, difficult time. And it, it really depended on the personal. I, I really looked up to him. I really thought he was a great teacher and that helped me connect with him and he, and listen to what he had to say to me. So that, I think that's a really important aspect of this is the connection that you have with somebody. That's excellent. I love that. Yeah. It, it seems like if you make those connections that the more pot that the, the more possible, let's try that one again. The, 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 it's possible that you're, you have some sort of, I'm trying not to use the word connection, but you have some sort of thoughts about why you're there or why, you know, that there's a reason to keep trying this, not just, uh, you know, not just focusing in on yourself struggling or something like that. But and the beautiful thing about my case was since I was going into education, it, he really, he and a number of others really modeled for me what I wanted to do and be as an educator. Uh, they, they made a, a big difference in the trajectory that I took as, as an educator and how I saw kids and how I saw life. Uh, nice. It just it did, you know. That's excellent. One of the things that uh, I'd like to kind of get us towards now is your the program that you have. Um, you know, what's your program about and who is its target audience? Right. Well, it target. I originally, I'm going through a, a program to develop this, and the, and the original niche that I had developed was uh, coaching for uh, private school college students. And the reason for that was that the people that I'm working with said, well, that's where the money is. That's where you get it. Well, I, and that was the way my website was originally developed, and, and I was uncomfortable with that. I felt that was pretty elite and I don't feel like a very elite person. So I forced them to change the website and we broadened it to, we didn't say college students at all at this point. It just says students and they, and it can be students from any, any uh, grade level, though I'm most comfortable junior high through college uh, with the older kids. But it, but as far as the parent advocacy part of it, I certainly could work with with the younger ones too. And sometimes that's the parents that really need it is when their kids are first, second, third, fourth graders. They they that's when the kids need the, the best advocates they can get. Uh, so the program is set out so that I initially meet with the parents. I find out what the parents are feeling and what their needs are uh, in terms of how they see what's happening. Uh, and uh, I talked them through uh, a little session on, you know, how they're feeling about their child, how do they interact with their child. So I'm trying to gather information during that session, as well as, as get them to begin to engage and think about what how they're engaging with the child. My next session, is with the child themselves, the student, whatever grade level they are, college or two. And I, and I try to find out, first of all, will the student engage with me and is the student interested in improving? If the student 
says, I don't care. I'm going to college and I'm having fun. <laughs> and well, maybe that's not what I want to take on as a, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I may just have to tell the parents that this is, this is not one that I really think I can make a difference in and I want to focus on as I can. If the student says, you know, I'm just struggling, I don't understand the subject, the connection of the subject, the relevancy of the material, uh, and I need some help trying to get that connection made and, and my learning styles straightened out so I know what I'm doing. That's certainly a help. At that point, I would make a proposal to the parent about what kind of program I would put together and how it would look. Basically, uh, uh, that would be step one, the parent and the student. Step two would be an actual program where I engage with the student over a period of time, whatever that takes. Uh, and hopefully at the end of that, we have success. And the last step is a good celebration of the success we had uh, with the parent, the student. I, and I, my intent would be to write up front, tell the student and the parent, I will keep in touch with you through this whole thing. I will give you a progress report through this whole thing. However, as a certified counselor, if in the process of this, the student reveals some things to me that are confidential, uh, I will ask them for permission to share that with you, but I might not be able to share it with you because confidentiality is important to kids just like it is to adults. So that's kind of the outline of the program and how it works. Each program is a little different and not a lockstep sort of thing. Each student needs a little different sort of program. So I've tried to make it as flexible as I possibly can. And if that means that they need some tutoring, then I, it may be that I contact uh, with the parents' permission, the school or the college, and see if I can get them set up some tutoring because I'm not a tutor. I'm not going to tutor subject matter areas. So that's kind of the gist of the program. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Is, you know, it's uh, one of the things that has uh, got to be helpful for people is to be able to have, whether the parent or um, the child, is to have somebody helping them see that there's another side to the fence, that there's another, what it, the, the, there is an end to that, yeah. uh, that storm line or that rainbow or whatever. And I think that yeah. uh, sometimes that's difficult for kids to see, especially uh, depending on what age you are, but, sure. uh, um, but there, there are some ages that really lend itself to not being able to focus on the fact yeah. that you might be telling yourself sto- you know, stories that aren't working out. I don't know. And I, and I think COVID has made that all the, the break that, COVID took and the, and the type of education they were getting and, and just the whole sense of kind of disconnect that it gave, I think that that had a, an effect on all this. I mean, I think, uh, and it have had effect obviously on teachers too, because teachers are leaving in droves. That would be the other thing I'd be willing to do is, uh, and I haven't made it, uh, I haven't pursued that part particularly but if a school or a group of teachers said to me we would like some help in making our classes more relevant and working with us on, on uh, 
seeing how we can do those things, uh, I'd be willing to do that too. Uh, I, that's outside the coaching realm, but uh, if if uh, and I'd like to stay in the local area. Obviously, I'm not into traveling all over, but if local districts want some in-service time, that's what I think I'd I'd be glad to do that too. So. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, you know, we're getting, we're kind of getting close to, to wrapping up here. Um, how does, how does someone get started working with you? I mean, how, what, how do you get that going? I have a, the website is uh, harveyhazen.coach. So just www.harveyhazen.coach. Very simple. And on the website, it goes through a, just a, kind of a basic explanation of the program and it has links to request uh, an appointment uh, and I'll at that appointment I'll spend half an hour or whatever time it takes to talk to the parent uh, and the first contact would be with the parent and then uh, and then let them know how they can proceed from there there's a second part to the website that goes more depth into the program. And at that point I would give them that too, so they could set that up. There's also, when they sign up for a phone call, there's also a, or a, a Zoom call, whatever they're comfortable with. Uh, there's also a little questionnaire piece that asks, gets some basic information for me so that I know who I'm talking to and, and what's going on. Uh, so that's the the route that they can go. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn page. They can contact me through there, uh, and that's uh, that's Harvey Hazen uh, or Hazen Educational. Uh, <laughs> Try to think, uh, uh, Hazen Educational is what that's titled. So they can find it that way through Hazen Educational on. on LinkedIn, but I wouldn't expect too many people to contact me through LinkedIn. Probably go to the website. It's the easier way. So, gotcha. Uh, and and as a result of doing the podcast, and you're being so gracious for me doing the podcast, if uh, if people mention that they heard about it through the podcast, and they add. I will also schedule for them an additional half hour time with them and the student for free. Very cool. Thank you so much for doing that. That's awesome. So I will make sure that's in the show notes or it says that as well so that uh, they, yeah. they, they follow that. So thank you for doing that. Nice. The, you know, one of the things that uh, as we're, you've, you've kind of mentioned this just a little bit, but I want to remind everybody, um, Harvey, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where would you send them? Well, first to the website, uh, and, and they could learn more there. And I, and I have an autobiography piece on the website, and there's also a, a testimonial from one of the, the psychologists that I worked with during the course of my, my career. Uh, so they could learn more there. Uh, they can learn, uh, I guess, basically, I'd say, call me up, and get it, get on a phone call and ask me the questions you've got. You know, that's the easiest way to do it, probably, it. is just 
get on a phone call and ask me the questions you got. I, I'm thick skinned, so nothing is off limits as they, as they want to ask me, you know, where I work specifically and give them references. That's fine too. So I have no problem doing that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll put that information in the show notes and it'll be right there for people to click on so they can go follow, follow you. Uh, well, I got the last two questions for you, Harvey. And the first one goes like this. These are just questions I like to ask my guests. And the first one is, when so much is happening and needing to be done and life is extremely demanding, what stops you from quitting or giving up? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd even slant that question a little bit and say, why would you go back into doing this? Why would you just stay retired? <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> uh, I... Uh, what keeps me doing this, I think, is just the, the sense that there's a need that uh, I can help fulfill and that, uh, it, it, and that you know, as long as you've got uh, breath in your good sense that and you can help people, then you should keep trying to help people in one way or another. You know, or you should keep doing, and, and part of it's keeping myself active too frankly you know i'm uh part of part of my story is when i retired from from education uh, i i'd done some dog breeding training showing etc cetera, etc cetera, for for years my wife and i and uh, and i so i took that a little more seriously about 50 acres and over in Eastern Washington, and and I started training hunting dogs and doing some, some hunting myself and doing the things I really had missed, fishing and whatnot while I was while I was working so hard, and uh, I'm I'm getting too old to do that. I'm not being fair <laughs> to the dogs, uh, so uh, so I'm kind of changing gears and going another direction, but trying to stay active and busy and and doing something that's useful and and I always considered the dogs useful because I, I could show you a million pictures of of a pup going to a new family and the smiles and the and the connections I've made with people over the years through through that dog world it's just been fantastic. Um, so and I think that's what keeps me going. It's just the need to to do something. I think I see so many people retire, sit down, watch TV, and die two years later. I got that right. <laughs> I don't want to be that statistic. <laughs> thank you. You know, I I want to keep going until I can't keep going. So, so right. <laughs> so right. This is this is the scary thing about it is that if you out to, you know, you leave and everybody is left uh, or hasn't left yet or. Um, you leave and then no, um, and everybody else has, but they've gone wherever they've gone. I mean, there's any number of things that could, uh, yeah. could happen in there. So, and, and my biggest advice to everybody listening to this is have fun. Yeah. My wife passed away a few years ago, Sorry, but I've connected with another gal and we got married. Well, we decided that if a couple older people were going to get married, we should have some fun doing it. So we went to Las Vegas and had an Elvis wedding. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing it. So, you know, life carries uh, a lot of twists and turns. But if you if you look at 
as, as what are the opportunities to enjoy it, to have fun, then it makes it a whole lot better. It sure does. That's 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 too cool. Sorry, it's from you're, you're talking to an Elvis fan right now. So yeah, there you go. I, it, it was really cool. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, when she first said that's what she wanted to do, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and uh, it just turned out. To be that so. that is so awesome. I my uh, second uh, honeymoon. We uh, at twenty years. My wife and I were talking. And we we're like, we got to do something. And, uh, and so we talked about it, talked about it. And finally she gave in and she said, all right. Cause it, from where I, I live and work, it's, um, um, Memphis was, uh, um, you know, kind of a decent, uh, not too far, not too close type distance. And, uh, and I said, uh, um, and she said, all right, I'll give in. Let's, we'll go to Memphis. And I said, now don't, pull my leg here. Cause this is, this is exciting. I did, you know, if I go there, I gotta, go, I gotta go to Graceland and I gotta go to sun records and I gotta do all this. She said, just give me some barbecue, get me on a paddle wheeler in the river and uh, let's go to a zoo. And then I'm good. And I said, all right, they're good. And I even got her to go through Tupelo <laughs> on the way there. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. We, we had a, a lot of fun doing it. Awesome. The guy that uh, was doing the Elvis impersonation and, married as was really good and we <laughs> nice. did the blue hawaii package <laughs> nice it was it was a lot of fun that's yeah. cool well congrats on that uh I, last question for you do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life if so who was it and what would you say if given a chance to say thank you well uh, he the the one i would target the most is uh high school modern problems teacher He's the one that really set me on the path of, of being a teacher and, and being, uh, and he was a good friend, but long since passed. Name was McGovern. And, and uh, I, he taught a class, he took an interest in every kid in that class. He, uh, he knew you as a person, not just as a seat in his classroom. And it always amazed me that he could do that. And uh, it, and he, I'm sure he did it partly because he had an interest in, in me and what I was going to do because he, my parents had a small fruit ranch and, and they sold fruit at the ranch. That was where I grew up. And he became a, one of our best customers. He would show up all the time during the summer when when we were out of school and he'd want to know, how's it going? What are you doing this summer? <laughs> you, you keep it up with your soul state. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and uh, I think I would credit him the most with, with kind of lighting my fire to do what I did. That's cool. That is so cool. Uh, Harvey, what an awesome focus you have you, that you've created for yourself. I mean, I hope that you keep on helping kids the way that you do and helping their parents uh, work with them as well. Wishing the best in all you do. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on here. Uh, great. Uh, you're a great interviewer. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. 
Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.